Welcome to the What's Your Revolution show. The show for men and the people who love them. Where we discuss how men can find and embrace the healthiest versions of themselves. I am your host, Dr. Charles Corporeau. What's good, revolutionaries? I hope all is well and that you are making your way every day. Uh, ensuring that your revolutions are impacting you and the world. I wish you success in everything that you do. I remember as a child, hello Bertha, how you doing today? I remember as a child watching this man get up every day, my father, Charles Sumner Corporal Jr., get up and put on a suit and go to work every day. He used to claim <laughs> that he was the best dressed, or what was it, what was it, mother? One of the ten best dressed men in Norfolk. He would always say that. He was a good, he was a great dresser. But always had a suit and tie on, colorful garb. Uh, he showed me how to tie a tie. He showed me how to cuff my pants, how to shine my shoes, and how to walk out the door looking like a million bucks, even though my suit probably was like $10. You know what I'm saying, Jazz? Um, but that's what we need to see in the world. We need to see men getting up and going to work and men getting up and going to work and showing how well-dressed they are. It's funny as a man of Omega, it's funny as a man of Omega when I, when I get dressed up, most people tend to associate me with the brothers of Kappa Alpha Psi. <laughs> they were like, no, nah, there's no way that you are, an, there's no way that you are an Omega. There's, there's just no way. But I tell them, yes, I'm Omega. Omega come, Omega men come in all sizes and shapes, and we are just as well dressed as our 1911 brothers of Kappa Alpha Psi. But what happens if you don't have the suit? Or what happens if you don't get to see a man get up and dressed in a suit, a well-tailored suit every day to go to work? How do you know that's even a part of the, the repertoire that you need? You know, but then there are people out there like P.K. Kersey who says, you know what? I'm going to dress the world. I'm going to make sure that those brothers who may not have never seen this or who have you know, who are down on their luck, that need this opportunity to go out in the world and say, you know what, I have the skills, I have the mental fortitude, but all I need is just the right piece of clothing. So people will say, you know what, let me pick this brother. So today I have the executive director, founder of That Suits You, author of Suited for Success, P.K. Kersey, joining me on the What's Your Revolution show. P.K., what's up, brother? How you doing? I'm doing great, man. Thank you for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. Man, no doubt, no doubt. Where are you today, brother? You in New York? Yes, I'm in, actually in Brooklyn, uh, you know, taking care of business, had a few meetings, and just uh, took some time. I'm glad you allowed me to be on the show to just, uh, you know, talk about the work that we do. No doubt, brother, no doubt. I appreciate you taking time out. It means a lot. PK and I met, uh, both of us were honored in... Uh, late August and early September at the BE Modern Man hosted by Black Enterprise and it was a, a a host of brothers and sisters who were there who were celebrating black black excellence as they call it black excellence black masculinity black manhood and all these brothers from around the country who are doing amazing things uh, PK I had Frank Brady on the show a couple of weeks ago the BE Modern Man of the Year he was amazing so I know you're gonna you're cool. gonna rip it cool. up just like him brother we all <laughs> we always ask Ask our guest the first question, brother. What's your revolution? My revolution is 
just to really bring awareness, bring excitement, bring uh, energy to men of today who, you know, oftentimes men get overlooked. Men, you know, we, 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 we take a lot of heat for situations and things, which sometimes is deserving, but we also, we need, I believe we need to be highlighted for a lot of things that the man does. I mean, he's, especially black men in society and people who have actually made their way and succeeded. You know, I can, I know what it takes. I know the pressure. I know the struggle. I know the sacrifice. And to just honor and to recognize that, and not only that, but sometimes Men, they need a, a helping hand, and a lot of a lot of men sometimes we have that that pride or that where we don't want to ask someone, or uh, we feel if I have to ask you, that puts me in a in a, a, a position where you're better than I am. Mm-hmm. So sometimes instead of asking, just you know recognize and and give that assistance. You know, part of the work that we do at that suits you is basically uh, helping men who may be in a bad situation, but not looking down on them, but actually encourage, encouraging them and helping them and then providing that attire. So that is my revolution, to continue that, to continue that uh, upward cycle, uh, sort of what we celebrated uh, when we met at uh, Black Men Excel and just continuing that. Right, no doubt, brother. You're doing uh, amazing work, bro, and it's interesting you say that. One thing that I heard that I wanted, I want to just take a moment to talk about, PK, is that we struggle as men to ask for help, you know, and I've been reading Brene Brown's book about daring greatly. I don't know if you've been a, had a chance to read that. It's an amazing book. And she talks about the shame that we experience. And when we are down on our luck or when we're having hard times, and particularly as men of color, brother, and particularly as black men, we still feel that weight that we can't ask for help, right? As if, right. as if still the whole world that we must take on, Right. But that asking for help is that vulnerable moment. And I don't know if we've been taught to be vulnerable, PK. I don't know if we've been socialized in our, in our communities and our homes to be vulnerable, to say I need help, to say that I'm hurting, to say that, you know what, I'm emotional about this and that I need some assistance. Why do you think that is, brother? Why, why are we not socialized that way? Uh, I believe it goes back to that, uh, to that, uh, toughness, that, that masculinity, that false masculinity i say where you cannot show really any weakness you know i was talking to my uncle the other day he's uh 93 years old and um you know so he's seen a lot and he was actually he just was sharing some things with me and he was actually uh laughing you know he was having some laughs and he was telling me how some of the guys back then like uh when they could if they didn't have you know they had cdls in his circle they had they drove trucks they had their own businesses so when a guy came around them that didn't have that, you know, they kind of poke fun at him, you know. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and you think about that from, he's 93, so that was years ago that they did that. And that kind of still goes on. Like, sometimes when the gentleman is not on top of his game, he feels it. He feels that lack of confidence. Then he goes around other people who, who might be, you know, it makes me wonder, like, how many people may have been at Black Men Excel where, where we were at that may have felt maybe inadequate. Yeah, brother. So, so many successful individuals, and maybe somebody was there was like, "Man, I'm staying in a, a, a B and B. I'm right. just, I can't listen. I'm just, I'm just, you know, I don't have. So you never know where a, posi- a person is at. But that's why I love to get that dialogue, like how we met. We just stroke up, uh, stuck our conversations. We started talking, and we, we started building. Right. And I find that so powerful. And I love, I love even 
if I make the first uh, say the, start the conversation or someone starts with me, I love building because you never know when a, where a person is at. Right. And that conversation could be something that saves them right. from making a, a, a tremendous mistake or a bad error in judgment in their life. Yeah, no doubt, brother. I, I, I totally agree. And it's interesting that you say that about Black Men Itself because I remember having some reticence about going myself because I was like, you know, because you know how we get sometimes as black men when we when when we've ascended a little bit, we got a little cash in our pocket. Right. You know what I'm saying? You know, we've done some different things. We've written books. You know, we've got all these accolades. We've got all the degrees on the wall and you put us all in a room and then you're like, you know, everybody's trying to beat their chest. Right. Right. right so I was right, I was right. a little reticent about going because I was like, you know what? I'm just I'm just not really in that space. You know, right, but, right, right. But right. as you know, as you talk about, it wasn't that space. And you got some powerful brothers in those rooms, man. You know, and you would never, ever, ever know that the four brothers from Chase. Right. If you looked up what they did. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. right that spoke right, on the right, panel. Right, right. Right. And we just, right. you know, we just kind of hung out and nobody was throwing that around that I'm CEO of this or I'm executive director of this or I'm um uh, um uh, acclaimed author of Sudafix success you didn't you didn't know that it was brothers coming right. together as you said to build and we have to create more spaces like that pk like you just said where we don't have to beat our chest where we can be open and just be ourselves because at the end of the day right we we put our pants on left leg right leg you know what I'm saying? <laughs> just just like everybody everybody else brother let me ask you this pk you know because everybody wants to know uh, as we grow and as we think about getting better you know if you had a chance to have dinner with someone dead or alive, who would it be? And what would you talk about? Oh, man. Uh, who, would I, who would I want to talk to? Oh, uh, man. I mean, he's alive right now. He's fresh in my mind. I definitely would want to speak to uh, Barack Obama. Yeah. I mean, that's something I definitely would want to do. Um, someone else, uh, I would really want to talk to Malcolm X. Yeah. Find yeah. out. His transformation, you know, what he went through, the psychological aspects of going from, you know, hard one way and then changing up and going another way and his street life. I mean, so many questions I would have about that. Um, just because it's really hard to explain the black experience, the black male experience to someone that doesn't go through it. Right. You know, when you grow up in the hood and you grow up, and you experience and you see uh, some of your childhood friends have died or you've been had guns in your face and you've been in uh, life-threatening situations from a teenager and to growing up. Like to a person that never went through that, is you really can't, it's hard for them to understand that. Like when a, a black man is driving at late at night and a police car just happens to go behind him, you know, the feeling sometimes that that man feels, it's hard to explain that situation. You like you explain that to somebody who's never gone through that. They're like, what's wrong? It's the police. They're here to make us safe. <laughs> like they really don't understand a lot of the things that black men go through. So um, yeah, so those two, I would definitely have a some a uh, uh, lot of questions to ask them about that their experiences and uh, what strengthened them. What what do they read? What do they do? So yeah, I would. Those two, I would say, stick out to me. Right. You know, there's a book coming out. Um, you basically, it's, it's almost like daily readings of Barack Obama, right? Who mm. he who he reads, right? <laughs> it's interesting that you okay. say that. Yeah. So it's who he reads 
to really give him affirmation, to give him strength and to uplift his leadership. So that's going to be a very interesting book, you know, to see, okay. you know, to, you know, really highlight because he's a big fan of Lincoln. He actually and he's a big fan of Reagan. Um, which is a very interesting. You think about leadership, but he's a he reads, you know, their autobiographies and different things about them about leadership. So I'm actually looking forward to that book. Um, you know, quickly, PK, you say something about you know being followed by police. My fear these days is white men in trucks, right? Mm. You know, mm. riding riding right. behind me. I, I don't know. It's some something about that. A truck behind me. You know, uh, uh, for, for some reason, it, it, it has a visceral reaction. So I find myself getting out of the way real quickly. I don't right. know what I, I need to unpack that. <laughs> right. You know, right, 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 right. Yeah. You know, I, t- I totally understand. I mean, this, when, when I'm driving, you know, the police car pulls up beside me. So I immediately like check, make sure I'm doing everything. Yeah, right. I don't no know doubt. From the way I grew up. I mean, it has to be from that. And, you know, it's just something that really stayed with me. Right, right. You listen to the What's Your Revolution show with Dr. Charles Corpru, talking to the founder, CEO of Suited for That Suits You, and author of Suited for Success, PK Kersey. PK, so who are you? You know what I'm saying? How how should people know about you? What's your story, brother? Well, you know, I grew up in Brooklyn, um, raised in Brooklyn, went to school in Brooklyn, college in Brooklyn, and uh, I actually worked for the government for over. 24 years where I was uh, in, in the manage, in a management position. Uh, I was over three offices, supervising individuals. You know, it seemed to be going okay, pretty good, but I just didn't feel like I was doing enough of what I felt I should be doing. So um, I was responsible for doing a lot of interviews, hiring people and such. And then I realized when I looked at the, 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 um, the offices, I realized that where I was working was like 70% female and 30% male. And I began to think that one of the reasons was because a lot of the guys who came to interviews, they weren't dressed appropriately. And being that I was one of the people that interviewed him, that was one of the topics that always came up. Uh, he gave a pretty good interview, but, you know, he wasn't really dressed for the part. or He didn't take it seriously because he didn't dress. So I started to think, you know, and did a little research and homework, and I realized it was two main reasons that, Guys didn't come dressed really appropriately for these interviews. One was because they didn't know how important wearing a suit was. And two, uh, they really couldn't afford the suits. So because of those two main reasons, uh, me and my brother, we decided to form the nonprofit That Suits You, where we collect suits and ties and we give them to qualified individuals who may be coming home from prison in a job training program or in schools, we go into schools, we do workshops and presentations really to teach about the importance of image and presentation. Um, so we, and as a result of doing that, that then gave birth to the book, Suited for Success, where we got 25 uh, individuals, black males together to share their stories of trials and tribulations that they had to go through to uh, get success in their life. And right now, so we just continue to growing and pushing and trying to expand and push the envelope as far as we can go. Right, right. Congratulations to you, brother, on, on all that success, man. It's, it's interesting you say that the impetus for your revolution was working in management for 24 years. Brother, you look like a kid, man. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> what, are, what are you talking about, bro? <laughs> 20, you, you worked in management for 24 years. When did you start? Did you start, did you start right out of high school, bro? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? 
Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Got that? You see, you don't got that great like I do, bro. Let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't have it at all. I, you know, I went from the the uh, hot top days. My kid had played hot top days. To I went to the dreads. I had the dreads down to my waist, and then they chopped it all off. Wow, wow. Tell the story, brother. Tell the story. So you say the impetus for the revolution, as we say, your was brothers coming in. Um, and not being dressed well. What do you think were some of the reasons for that? Why weren't they suited, and we're going to use that word, suited for success? Right. I mean, it goes along with your story that you were sharing when you came on. You said you saw your father every day. Right. He's one of the best-dressed men in Norfolk. Well, I also, um, my father, he dressed up. He wore suits. He taught us how to tie ties. Uh, Fortunately, he just passed in April. Sorry to hear that, um, bro. Yeah, yeah, but he he laid the foundation, he laid the groundwork, and a lot of individuals, a lot of males are actually missing that. They don't have that experience, and it it always hurts me when I talk about that because so many men, uh, unfortunately, are not there for their sons uh, because of in prison or maybe they're just, whatever reasons, they're not around. But that experience is not there for that father and son. I have two. I have two sons, twin boys, nine years old. Wow! And I relish. I relish the those moments that we can share together. That I can just be there with them, and it would it, it would really kill me not to be a part of that. So, right. uh, from the other way, I can see how sons are just missing out on little things, whether it's tying a tie. You said how to shine your shoe, how to crease your pants, how to shave. Those interactions and relationship building opportunities are being missed and because of that unfortunately gentlemen are coming to these interviews uh they didn't have someone to show them or teach them you know you wear a suit you tie your tie like this you wear this not right. make sure you, you you make sure you pull your pants up you know my father was there to to guide me during the during the times that i needed him and a lot of individuals they don't have that right right and it's our job there are a lot of things that you said that but not even but and is that you know, we have an opportunity, right? You and I and the other men uh, around the country, when we see this, right, when we see these opportunities, we have to seize them, you know? And I wonder, PK, I wonder, you know, because the culture has gone uh, gone somewhat askew to not to, to a more casual, to a more fabletics or athletics or athleisure type of wear, right? And we, right. Don't, we don't particularly get to see, you know, images on TV, you know, I'm trying to think right now, who are images of men of color that we see dressed in suit and ties on a regular basis, right? And I know we've gone to a YouTube type of, you know, the regular traditional TV that you and I grew up with. But do we often see black men in suit and ties, crisp suit and ties, right? Can you think, right. of, can you think of anybody on traditional TV or, you know, or social media that really puts this together? Only person I can think of that comes to mind. Uh, right away, it's two people. Uh, Steve Harvey right. comes on pretty frequently, and uh, uh, Stephen A. That's he right. Pretty much wears a suit. Right. See, those are the two that pop in my mind right away. Right. But right, we don't see that on a too much of a regular basis. And people generally tell me that they, when I tell them, or they see what we do, they say, "Oh, I love it, I love it." But you know, we're moving more toward the casual. When I understand that, but I look at it like this: one, it depends on the field or the area you're going in. But two, also, it's also an individualistic style. If that's your style, and then you can go. I mean, you can choose, even though that may not be the norm for that area or what they're doing, you can still choose to have that. And if, even if more individuals or white individuals are going more casual, 
a lot of times we don't have that advantage where we right. can just uh, go. We have to actually go above and beyond. We can't just go normal and below. So we have to do more than is expected right. and not what is expected or less than that. We don't have that. We don't have that option. You know, well, I'll just do what everybody else is doing. Right. No, most of the times we have to go above and beyond what is expected. Right. And that is the struggle. You know, um, um, uh, a colleague of mine, Flint Mitchell, would talk about that all the time, that, you know, he would have to, you know, go to work and, you know, dress in a suit and tie because we need to make sure that we go above and beyond. But that causes a lot of stress and strain, PK. It can. It yeah. can. Um, unfortunately, I mean, <clears throat> and when I worked for, you know, I was in the government for 24 years, um, I was like one of the, I guess you would say, senior individuals as far as the black males were there. And people looked at me as far as having that look. And I believe I used that look to inspire other individuals. So, I mean, you could say it's, it's, it was pressure. You could say it was uh, it was something extra stress. But also I felt that I, I had a... A responsibility to kind of because when I came in, it was a gentleman there called, uh, named Mr. Phipps. He was one of—I mean, he was a sharp dresser. And he, when I saw him, that inspired—I was like, "Wow, here's a black man. He's looking sharp and clean. He's in uh, management." He inspired me to want to go that route. So I—that I, I, kind of stayed with me to want to inspire the next uh, wave of guys right. as well. And I, and I love that. I love that. I think about, you know, I asked this question. I know, you know, everybody's listening, thinking about this. A suit for me, PK, is like my, it's like my armor, right? It's, it's, it's like I can walk into a room and if, if, if my suit is fitted well, and you, you know, PK, you know, when, when you, you got a little bit of change, a little, just a little bit, it doesn't cost much. You go get that suit tailored, right? Right, you know what I'm saying? Right. You go get that. Right, you right, go get right. that suit tailored, and I and, and I, I prescribe this to every man, right? You know, you can take you can take a ten dollar suit and make it look like a thousand dollars with a tailor. Am I am I lying, PK? Oh yeah, that's definitely. When you put on a suit or jacket and it fits you, like I mean, you get that. Wow, this this fits nice. Like you don't want it too big, right? Exactly. Tight. But when it fits you right, it's like to me, it's like no other feeling. You just, it's like, oh yeah, this is it. This, this the one right here. This is it. It gives you that, and then that feeling gives you that confidence. Exactly. To go handle your business. Exactly. Go do what you got to do, whether it's uh, working for this company or whether it's rocking your own business or whatever it is. It just gives you that. I look good. Exactly. I feel good. Exactly. Time to go to work. Time to time to go to work, and it's interesting. I mean, I started getting my uh, suits tailored. Uh, Man, it's been a long, probably 20 years ago now. I'm, I'm 47, and so I've got a great tailor here, and she just knows how to fit it, right? Fit, fit right. that suit. If brothers, if you've never had a, if you've never been to a tailor to have a suit fitted to you, right? Once you do, you will never go back because suits are not supposed to be baggy. They're not, they're not supposed to be hitting the ground. A well-fitted suit is a suit of armor for you. It, it says that I've taken a little bit of time. Right. To put this together. It does not matter how much the suit costs. Right. No one actually is going to know. But you. Right. I can tell you it's a thousand dollar suit. Right. It may not. (laughs) But if that suit fits well, PK, you know, it gives you that confidence. I have been I have been places, PK. Right. And people have walked up to me and said, brother, that suit fits well on you. Right. You know, that that is that feeling. Right. And so thinking of thinking about that. Right. Think about as I walk into an interview, I had had an interview with a a large organization a couple of weeks ago 
And I got I got this one suit, PKs, this one blue suit from Joseph A. Banks, man, and it fits. It fits. And I walked in <laughs> I walked in and the receptionist said, You know what, brother? You know what? You look good. And that that's what you want to that's what you want to hear right before that right before that interview when you interview with the president of the, of the organization you're like yes okay I got this right right our brothers right. need to feel the same way I feel I feel like that suit is my cape it's PK right. you know that, that I always tell them always tell them that once you go custom you never go rack <laughs> <laughs> wow now everybody can't go custom you know like your boy your boys that came to um to uh be a modern man man they 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 were custom <laughs> <laughs> they they were custom. Yeah. yeah dear brother um you know we're gonna go to break in a couple minutes but i want to ask you this pk i, I watched you know I, I try to do as much research on my guests and i watched a video of you you were on um a station with this um brother and sister was it access or arise arise oh, okay right 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 yeah 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 exactly i've actually interviewed with that brother he's a good brother yeah, and, yeah cool. definitely a good brother. Uh, and so he's you, in the book too. Yeah, yeah. We're gonna, and we're gonna, we're gonna get to that. We're gonna. But you mentioned something that brothers just can't. You just don't give suits out to everybody, right? No, no. And no, so what you're saying, you've got to train. What is it you've got? I, I, I don't want to mess it up. You got to train the man to suit the oh, man. Oh yeah, we we say we train the inner man and suit the outer man. There you go. What does that mean? I mean what are you trying to say? We say, uh, well, we just don't, it's easy for somebody to come off the street and say, hey, I need a suit. You give him a suit. But that's like the icing on the cake, the suit. The more important thing to us is the workshops, the information. Uh, like I said, I worked for the government for over 24 years. My brother's been in banking for over uh, 15 years. So that, the information, the knowledge, the wisdom that we've gained, the experiences that we've learned, sharing that with uh, these individuals and then on teaching them why the suit is important, how to wear your suit. If it's two buttons, how many you button? What type of knots should you t- tie? What's your match, your back, your, your belt, your socks? Uh, what shirts are good for you? How to get a good shirt? Those, the information, the relationships, how do you shake somebody's hand? How do you right. really build effective relationships? Um, uh, networking, those, that information, that's training the inner man because you want the inner to match the, the outer. You just don't want to look good. Right. Uh, you want to have that information. You want to have... You 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 want to know why uh, you're wearing what you're wearing and why it's important. So we, that's training the inner man and suiting the outer man. Right, exactly, exactly. So who is the population that you target? You know, who who are you thinking that is going to benefit the most from what y'all are trying to do there in Brooklyn? We actually started working with men coming home from prison. That was our primary focus. That really was one of the reasons we started and then we just started expanding i mean we went to uh veterans who right. may have uh gone through tough times and uh then we went into schools um we started high schools then we went to middle schools uh grade schools and colleges uh and lastly this year we've made a strong push we're in homeless shelters now where we go in and teach and train and provide suits because uh, we believe every man deserves at least one suit and yeah. so we want to do our best part to uh, give that to as many individuals as we can right right no doubt brother no doubt you've been listening to Dr. Corpro on the What's Your Revolution show with my guest PK Kersey founder and CEO of That Suits You and acclaimed author of Suited for Success we're going to talk about that acclaimed book on the other side so hopefully you stay with us this is the What's Your Revolution show.
Welcome back to the Western Revolution Show with Dr. Charles Corpru and my guest, my guest, CEO and founder of That Suits You, acclaimed author of Suited for Success, P.K. Kersey. P.K., thank you for joining me back on the B-side, brother. I appreciate it. As we say here, no Noah, appreciate your brother. <laughs> no problem. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, let me give a shout out to my dad who's listening, my 89-year-old father in Virginia Beach, and my beautiful mother who will be celebrating her, PK, celebrating her 78th birthday on Sunday. Happy birthday, mother, to oh, you. Happy birthday, happy birthday. Yeah, no doubt. I love it. She gets the Woman of the Year Award. She gets the Woman of the Life Award, let me tell you. <laughs> my mother is, my mother is a saint in every way. <laughs> you know, <laughs> even though my father likes to, uh, chide her sometimes. She is an amazing woman, and uh, I am grateful for both of them dear brother let's let's get into your book man and um you know it's interesting when you hear men's stories or you get a chance to read men's stories and then dig down to the level of hear black men's stories of struggle and success right so tell us about the book right tell us about these 25 men and why 25 right well what happened was i was uh on social media, and I saw, I'm always on social media, and I saw a post by, uh, this young lady called, uh, Shade Abdul, Abdul, and, uh, she wanted, she was looking for people to be a part of her book collaboration. Right. So, I immediately signed up, I know her, her style, I know her work ethic, so I said, yeah, I want to do it. So I did it, and I was excited, and so I was selected, and I found out it, it was, uh, I think it was, uh, 12 individuals, and I was the only guy selected. Really? It was 15 of us, and I was the only guy selected. So it was 14 ladies and myself, which is cool. But, <laughs> you know, when I, the name of the book was called Renegotiating Greatness, so that was the first book that I was actually a part of. And um, so I thought that was cool. But I said, you know what? Ladies are always sticking together. They're always doing something. They're always having conferences, empowerment, this. Ladies are doing it. They're on top of it. Black girls rock and everything. Right. So I said, let me, get, let me see if I can pull this off. With, with just men, uh, all men collaboration, book collaboration, all black man book collaboration. So I sent out a blast email, social media post, asking for individuals who may be interested. And a uh, bunch of guys, I would say about 30 guys, said, let's do it. That 30 dwindled down to 25, and these 25, they've been a part of the process. You know, they've put an investment in, they've submitted their chapters, and after reading them all, I said, "What? This, this is it. Let's go with it." And so these twenty-five guys, shared, twenty-four guys, including myself, shared their story of what it meant to be suited for success. Right. Some of them shared personal items, their life stories. Some, some of them really broke it down as far as what affected them. Some of them talked about it from the business aspect, uh, but it just was very, very powerful. And um, I'm really proud of this project, and the guys are as well. So I mean, we. Yeah. It, it just it just has been an amazing process. Uh, we actually hit the bestseller list the first week that we came out. Oh man, that's so amazing! It, yeah, so it's just it's just just been great. We having a, uh, a actual black men's brunch this Saturday in Brooklyn oh. in Milk River, and um, they're gonna it's called the Suited for Success uh, Brunch Edition. So it's, we're celebrating. Some of the guys are gonna be there. We actually did a photo shoot in Brooklyn public library which was awesome so yeah just just building and learning more about these guys and hearing their stories just been very powerful right right no doubt brother and that is amazing to congratulations to you for best-selling book 
You know, we talk about I bring I bring big names on this show. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but but like yeah. we said when we met at uh, BE Modern Man, you don't know, you know, because everybody was so cool and everybody's so humble, right? You just don't know. And right. congratulations to you. So we understand the motivation of the book, right? So if me and my great my great producer and engineer, Jazz, pick up the book, right? You know what I'm saying? Jazz, I, I, I heard this, but I want to go pick. I want to go pick up the book. What do we get out of it, right? What do, What do you want us to get out of the book? A couple things. One, just that see some black gentlemen who look like myself got together, show unity, and did something. That in itself has been powerful to some of the students where we get, have given the book to for their school. When they say it, and they're like, it's 25 black guys and in this book? I mean, just when they say that, I'm like, wow, that's, that's an accomplishment to them. Secondly, you'll just see how sometimes we feel that a situation or opportunity in our life has passed and we, we're not able to do something. And in the book, you hear individuals share their story of how maybe some did it early, some did it late. Some did it with challenges. Some did it uh, not feeling well. Some did it sick. You'll see it'll be something that you'll be able to relate to right. that, it, that it hits something inside you to say, well, you know what? If this gentleman did it, I know I, 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 know I still have time. I know that I can still put this together. I know that I'm not going to give up. And, and thirdly and lastly it's just that, you know, whatever it may be that you may want to do, whether it is a book, maybe it's a business, maybe it's uh, uh, running for congressman. I mean, if we have a polit- person who's been in politics in the book, or maybe it's a TV host. Whatever area it is, it is success is not one particular thing. It, it's what it is to you. So don't limit yourself to, well, I'm not successful because I do this. Success can be uh, defined by that individual depending on what it is that they're doing. So, I mean, don't allow society to put a label on you. Like somebody who comes to Black Man XL he feels, well, because I'm working sanitation and this other person is a CEO of Chase, that I'm not successful. No, it's not what you're doing. That's not successful. It's, it's are you making a difference? Are you happy with your life? That's what, are you taking care of your family? Are you being a, a father to that son? So success can be defined by that individual. Right, exactly, exactly. Success is defined by that individual and their struggles, right? That, yeah. that's, that's what we need to know, that we, that we can struggle and that we can fail, right, without the reper- repercussions that many of our brothers, right, that many of our brothers happen, you know, to experience. That failure with support, because I'm sure that the brothers that are in that book, PK, found some support to get through their struggles, right? Right, right, right. And a lot of them actually had no desires of writing a book. They had not, It's not something they had written down on their bucket list. But when the opportunity, uh, when they saw the opportunity, it triggered something inside of them. And after they did it, they was like, wow, it's like for me to put this on paper is such an accomplishment. It's something that, you know, I never could see myself doing. So, I mean, to me, that itself is so powerful because it opened up another another door for them where they never saw it. And now here they are, authors, and some are actually uh, doing their second book. So it's, it, it's, it, it triggers something inside of them. Right, and that's what we want. That's the revolution here, you know, that we want to find successful pathways for us so we can go out in the world to ensure that there are young revolutionaries 
behind us, PK, like yourself, right? Thinking about that, how do we impact the next generation of revolutionaries so they can see men getting up like like we saw our fathers get up and get dressed and go to work, right, and work hard? My, my father, and I'm sure like your father, got up and worked hard. My father was a principal for 36 years, right? And the, mm. the impact that he had on thousands of children. Right. You think about that. Thousands and thousands of children who who went to school and may not have saw a man, only him. Right. right. As a leader in the, in that space, dressed in that suit and tie, spoke well, could sing well, you know, all all of these different things, man. So I'm, I'm happy. I, I know I shouldn't ask you this question, PK, but, you know, you're you're, you're the editor of this book. Right. You right. know, As you look through the stories. Right. Let me I'm, I actually switch up the question as you look through the stories. What do you think is the most riveting story for a person to read in the book? Oh man, I can't. I, oh, you can't ask me that question. <laughs> I, I, I didn't say your favorite. I said the most riveting. Right? I was going to ask you what's your favorite story, but oh. I didn't want you to have to pick favorites. But if I'm reading that book, what's the most riveting? What's the, what's the one that's going to tug on me to say, "Hmm, this one, this one kind of hits home," right? Oh man. Oh, man, I mean, it's it's it's. I'll say it like this: it's a few of them, but I throw two at you. Um, one from uh, uh, Rand Toby, his Randall Toby. His his story is he really got into his life, his beginnings. So reading that story will really pull at you as far as to see where this gentleman has come from, his uh, his amazing business that he's doing now and how you know he's now full-time as an entrepreneur working for a company for a number of years coming from where he came from his experience i think his story is very powerful and i would have to say uh, also Derek redmond his story is very powerful he also went into his childhood experiences and um how he could have been a statistic but because he had people in his corner he had family he had uh people there for him his life is now an amazing life he's a minister he's uh in a solid church he's got amazing business amazing family so those stories right there stick out pretty well gotcha 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 so dear brother you know hearing this knowing this right um that there are opportunities for all of us if you had a, a a few things to say to social entrepreneurs about following their dreams what advice would you give them? I would give them the advice that if you can't stop thinking of it or thinking about it, that's a signal, a sign to you that you need to do, start to do something about it. Um, and when I say something, uh, I, I, I usually say the, the three S's. You know, it's three S's are start, sacrifice, struggle, suffering, and success. Mm. So, the start usually kills people because I mean I know I know plenty of us know individuals that talk about starting, uh, negotiate about starting, read about starting, prepare for starting, um, uh, sleep about starting, hear about starting, uh, write down plans about starting, but they never actually start. So it's it's sort of like reading reading how to ride a bike. You can you can read it, you can look at the videos, you can do all that, but until you actually get on the bike and start uh, riding it, you never will be able to get the experience. I always tell people, and I put it in the book also, it's like The Matrix. I just watched the show the other day. It's one of my favorite movies. 
Neo, uh, uh, Morpheus told Neo, he said, you know, it's funny, I can't, no one can actually be told about the Matrix. They have to experience it for themselves. Well, that's kind of how it is as far as starting a business or being an entrepreneur. You really, you can hear go all the conferences and workshops and everything about it, but it really is going to take you getting into it and learning about it and failing and failing and getting frustrated and people lying to you. People say they're there for you right. and they're not. Fam- families say they're going to do this and they don't. Uh, this happens and failing. You really won't because it, cause it's during that process and that time that so many things are being built up inside of you, so many things you're learning about yourself, so much growth is happening inside of you, and you're learning that until you actually go through that, you'll never. So I would just say start. Start not knowing what you're doing. Start not knowing. Start not having all the money. Start not knowing all the information. But as you begin to start, God gives you more in the way than he does in the beginning. <laughs> Say that again, brother. Tell that story. God gives you more on the way than he does in the beginning. Wow, because he's so, pl- planting so. a seed. And he wants to know if you can struggle a little bit. Not even a little right. bit, brother. Sometimes, sometimes, that struggle, <laughs> right. sometimes that struggle is long, PK. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? The beginning right. is long. What do you say? That, you know, it took me 10 years to be an overnight success, right? <laughs> right. You right. know, right. that exactly. struggle is long. So just so my people know, you know, PK, we, you know, I'm, I'm blessed to have listeners all around the world now. What's those five S's? The five S's is start, sacrifice, struggle, suffer, suffering, and then success. Right. Sacrifice. You're going to have to give up some things. You're going, yeah. you're going to have to give Time, up some things. Sleep, sleep. Money. Friends. Unhealthy relationships. Man, tell the story, brother. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I have to sacrifice a lot. So, yeah, right. then the struggle. Struggle going through, uh, trying to make it happen, finding out what's going on, trying to put pieces together. It's not working. And finding out this piece don't even belong in this puzzle, belong <laughs> in another puzzle. Uh, and, yes, right. That's <laughs> and then right. the suffering where you, you find out, you think you got everything together, you find out, okay, you finally got everything together. You finally getting it right, and then everything explodes. <laughs> you know, it finally starts working, and now everything explodes, and you got to build it back up, or go to another state, or you know. So that's the suffering part. The suffering yeah. is, you know, I mean, each process it eliminates so many people. It's like when that spaceship goes up out of the, it's, it's on, it's on, it's in Houston. And everything's together, but as it goes high up, things start falling off of it. So that's the suffering. Things are, you know, you think it's falling apart, but actually it's coming together. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's interesting that suffering, that sacrifice and suffering, you're shedding, right? You're finding, yeah, you're finding those pieces or eliminating those pieces, and it's hard. It's, it's hard. But what we have to understand, and, and I'm not perfect at this at all. I'm actually the worst person, PK, when I say this. I'm the worst person. But I was listening to Dax Shepard and his, um, you know, um, his podcast. I think it's, it's Armchair Something, right? He was interviewing Brene Brown. Here, I'm talking about her work again. But we have to tell ourselves that suffering is temporary, right? We have to continue. Because we think when we suffer, it is going to continue. It hurts so bad. I'm suffering. I'm suffering. I'm suffering, Right? But do we, it was a great analogy, do we ever say that when joys are there, do we say, do we ever say that this is temporary? 
<laughs> we don't. We don't. We just experience. Uh, uh. We just experience the joys, and when the joys go away, we say, "Okay, that was a great time. I had a good time. It's over." But when we're suffering, PK, we could say, you know, I, oh my God, I can't. What is what's going on? I'm hurting so bad, or I'm feeling this way, and I just want it over with. I just want it over. We have to understand, and like he said, that suffering may be three days long, right? Right. But it's still right. at some point going to be temporary. It might be a week long. It might be a year long, but it's temporary. And I'm the worst at that, PK. I'll tell you, all my people, I'm the worst at suffering. <laughs> you know, you know, <laughs> discomfort and I are not friends. <laughs> at, right, right. At right. all. But I'm learning, you know. And so th- my thing is, right now, I tell myself, even, I don't feel like, choose discomfort. Because I, like anything, PK, as you know, discomfort is a practice. If you can sit, right. in, if you can sit in discomfort, if you can practice discomfort, you're going to be more successful than the person that can't. And it sounds like, dear brother, that you have been able to weather the discomfort to get to this place of success. Your 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 fifth S. And I'm glad that you dropped that dropped that that those pearls as 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 we talk about the, those pearls that will will leave us thinking for the rest of the day. Like, have I gone through all of these, or am I just at the beginning? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> am, am I just right, at the beginning? Right. Dear brother, you know, we've only got a couple of minutes left in the show, uh, but I want to ask you this last question because always, and you've, you've dropped, you've dropped some pearls already, but the show is about how we can find and embrace the healthiest versions of ourselves. What are you doing, right, to find and embrace the healthiest version of yourself? Uh, I'm, I'm trying to be there for myself. When I say be there, I'm trying to be there as far as reading more, spending time with my family more, uh, spending time with, with God more, because I know that I have a lot more to improve on as far as my life is concerned. And in order to do that, I have to be willing to um, acknowledge that. I always tell people there's, uh, there's four stages to learning. The first stage is that you're unconsciously incompetent. The second stage is you're consciously incompetent. The third stage is you're consciously competent, and the fourth stage is that you're um, unconsciously competent. So in, in every area, you go through that process where you don't know how to do something, but you think you know how to do it. And until you reach the stage where, okay, um, now I'm consciously incompetent, at least you're saying, I don't know how to do something, but I recognize that. So I believe that in every area of my life, I have to go to the point where if I'm not doing something well, I have to recognize and say, listen, I don't know how to do something, but at least I'm willing to recognize I don't know how to do it. So I'm willing to learn, read more, ask God to help me, ask my wife to help me, ask my family. So And so I can at least become consciously competent where I know how to do it and I'm aware that I know how to do it. So it may, I may not be doing it at its best ability, but I'm learning and I'm improving step by step. And then finally, when you get mastery in that area, you're unconsciously competent when you do it without even, without even thinking. Right. It becomes second nature. So I know I'm not like that in every area. Some areas I'm still, uh, un- I'm still, uh, unconsciously incompetent. I don't even know what I'm doing. <laughs> but that's good. <laughs> but that's not, Right. That's not going to stop me from I'm still going to keep going stronger and recognize, OK, I got to get better. So now what do I do? What do I need to read? What, what do I need to do? How do I get better? So as long as I realize that I'm always a student, I'm always learning, I, I believe that'll help me. 
Gotcha, gotcha. Dear brother, I appreciate the time with you today. You've been listening to my good friend, dear friend, dear BE Modern Man, recipient, awardee, PK, PK Kersey, uh, author of Suited for Success, and CEO and founder of That Suits You. Brother, you have been dropping the pearls the last, the last five minutes, brother. You know what I'm saying? I'm gonna tell everybody, look, look, listen to the entire show. But if you really, if you want to really find some, some, some pearls of wisdom to help you find success in your life, listen to the last five minutes of PK, brother. Look, how can people find you? Yes, they can, uh, we're on social media, all social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at That Suits You. That's T-H-A-T. S-U-I-T-S-Y-O-U, That Suits You. They can go to our website, www.thatsuitsyou.org, O-R-G. Uh, see the work that we're doing. Contact us through the website or through social media. See everything that's going on, and I definitely appreciate you for having us on. Man, no doubt, no doubt. And we, look, thank you for the blessings of the day and the wisdom, brother, and we wish you great success. Congratulations on everything you've got going on and everything moving forward. In any way that the What's Your Revolution show and I, as Dr. Charles Corpru, can help you, please let us know. Thank you, sir. All right. Take care, brother. Take care. You've been listening to the What's Your Revolution show with Dr. Charles Corper. That was my guest, P.K. Kersey, CEO and founder of That Suits You and author of Suited for Success. You know, we got a couple minutes here. just want to talk about what happened yesterday. Um, some people think that we, we took back our country yesterday. And it's interesting to note that because the Democrats have taken back the House, you know, that movement has begun. I, I don't know if I agree with that. Um, Stacey Abrams lost, Beto O'Rourke lost, um, Andrew Gillum lost. Part of that with me was some of that hope in, in states where we need to see more people like them, right? We need to see more people who are galvanizing our country. I want to give a shout out to my home state of Virginia because they're, they're attempting to do some great work. They're attempted to go. Scott Taylor was uh, uh, upset by uh, a progressive Democrat, right, who was able to galvanize and bring people across party aisles. That's what our country needs. It's not that we need to sit in tribals, right, in tribes and skew our tribalism that goes across the country, that I'm right and you're wrong. At some point... Soon, I am hoping that I can have a conversation with someone who disagrees with my progressive ideas and I disagree with their conservative ideas, but we can find some common ground because that's American, isn't it? Isn't that American that we could have civil discord but come together at the table to find common ground, to love each other as humans because that's what we are. We tend to dehumanize each other. And when we dehumanize ourselves, we find it okay to allow harm to come to others. We must find a way to ensure that every person is treated as a human. Every person. That we love them, that we give them the leeway to be who they are in this world. No matter who they are. Shout out to all of the men and women who voted more votes were counted than any other time in history. More people went out for a midterm election to show their civic duty. But your civic duty is not just to go out and vote. 
right? So don't get lost in that. Your civic duty is to engage in your public, to engage in your community, to engage with your neighbors, right? To ensure that our children have a place to go, to a place to commune, that people can go to worship safely and honestly. We have too many things going on in our country right now. And thinking about how we can be better, be civically engaged, my friends, civically engaged. Don't just let yesterday said I went and vote. I saw so many people go and show me that you voted. Wow. Thank you. Right. What do you do now? That's what I'm asking you. So when you answer that question, what's your revolution? Hopefully civic engagement is a part of that because our communities need hope every day. I thank you for listening each week. I thank you for my man, Jazz, who makes sure that this show goes off without a hitch. I want to thank my former producer, Rachel, who is always there in spirit. I want to thank my mother and father who have given me life. And for them, I love you. We will see you next week. The bros hopefully will be in town as we begin to celebrate uh, our Founders Week. We'll talk to you soon. This is the What's Your Revolution show with Dr. Charles Corporal. We'll see you. Take care, everybody. Peace. Peace.